want to start off this video by saying I'm Violet, not everybody else. So when I say I'm Violet, that means that I'm unique. And one of the things that I find really frustrating is this idea that people want to be like everybody else. Hello everyone, welcome to Mind Blowing Health and Wellness with Violet. I'm Violet, I just said that. I'm a psychologist. The reason that I make these videos is because I want people to understand that their mental health and physical health come together to create that overall sense of well-being. If you find these kind of videos helpful, please consider subscribing. When I think about being like everybody else, the first thing that comes to mind is the high divorce rate, the amount of debt people walk around in, the fact that most people hate their jobs, and the fact that most people spend more time working than relaxing despite the fact that they hate their jobs. I'm so happy to be Violet and not everybody else, and yet this is what people are striving for. They're striving to be like everybody. Problem. When I put myself in the position that I'm trying to be like everybody else, I'm not taking into consideration what are the things that are going to help Violet to be happy, healthy, enjoy life, make the most out of life, live the life that she wants to live. I'm looking more at what are those people doing? How are they doing it? And imagining that because they're doing things that way, that has to be better than what I'm doing. Okay. I want to make a distinction between normal and the norm. What is normal is actions and behaviors that humans typically do. Those are things that are normal. The norm is when we take those, all those actions, and then we take, put percentages on how many people tend to do X versus Y, and we create the norm, right? So for example, normal, all humans eat. The norm in North America, the norm is eating the standard American diet, standard Canadian diet. That's only the norm over here because, for example, in China, the norm is to eat the standard Chinese diet. So despite the fact that we all eat, what then becomes the norm for eating food is different depending on where you live. So why am I talking about this right now? Because when I talk to people about their health, the big complaint that I get when I start talking about the possibility of changing food, so the possibility of eating fewer carbohydrates is people mentioning to me, I shouldn't even call it mentioning, forcefully defending their right to eat like everybody else, forcefully defending their right to eat carbohydrates, to eat processed foods, that if other people can do it, I should be able to do it too. And I, I completely understand that we want to believe that we can do whatever anyone else is doing. My big question is, before I decide to do what other people are doing, am I double checking that doing what these other people are doing is actually going to be healthy for me? Because if doing what these other people are doing is not going to be healthy for me, do I really want to put myself in a position of behaving like everybody else? So being part of that norm. Personally, I've chosen not to be part of the norm. Um, maybe the norm will catch up to me at some point. Oh, okay. So let's talk about that. What causes the norm to be the norm? I don't know if people have even thought about the fact that 500 years ago, the norm was not what it is today. 500 years ago, our youth was not spending 80% of their time on social media. 500 years ago, we were not even educated the same way that we are today. So for example, men and women did not have the same right to education. 500 years ago, the world was such a different place that we really do have to stop and consider if we're talking about the norm, then the norm changes over time. So the norm today is to be addicted to carbohydrates. 
I actually don't believe that that was the norm even a hundred years ago. I think that this is a relatively new phenomenon. I'm gonna guess somewhere around the 70s. I'm not a historian. This is a guess. But I'm, I'm very certain that a hundred years ago, we were not addicted to carbohydrates the way that we are today. But that's the norm. Now the question for you is, do you want to be part of a norm that's addiction? Now, my big guess is that most of you just said no to that because being addicted to alcohol, we know is not great for us. Being addicted to any other drug is not good for us. So the idea that we are addicted to something we know is bad for us. So why are we so invested in being part of this norm? I think part of it is because we are really afraid of missing out. We're afraid of other people having fun, other people doing well, other people progressing, and we're not. What I'm asking you to think about though is, are the people that we think are progressing, so by eating this way, actually progressing? So what does that mean? Is it because somebody's thin and they eat the standard American diet that they're healthy? Is it because we think somebody is eating the standard American diet the same way that we are, that we actually are eating the same way. These are question marks, right? Because the truth is, first of all, my metabolism, my history with food, my history of upbringing and any physical challenges that my body had is different than yours. So the idea that I can do what you do and have the same results, obviously is not, not a hundred percent, right? It's not just because you do what I do, you will have identical results. Which brings us back to there's what's normal and there's the norm. See, it's normal for humans to eat food. That's how we fuel our body and that's how we build our body. What I'm questioning is, is it normal, normal for humans to eat this much carbohydrate? Again, if I go back a hundred years, we were not eating this much carbohydrate. So each individual was not eating three well, I'm going to say two to 350 grams of carbs each day. We weren't doing that. Our fear of missing out pushes us to do a lot of things early, early. I feel it's early. I remember when I was growing up, we were not in a rush to get a job. We were not in a rush to be in that adult world. But yet today, young people are just in such a rush to be at the next stage that we're barely living this stage that we're in. There's such a pressure to know exactly what I'm going to do with my life at the age of 15 to know that my life is mapped out where when I was 15 I remember still kind of waiting around to see what looks interesting now in all fairness I already knew I wanted to be a psychologist but I was still investigating other ideas because I had that flexibility because it was written in stone I didn't need to know what that moment versus what's happening today and then by the time we've begun our jobs I see people in my office who have just started working and then they're feeling behind because they don't already have two children. They don't already own a house. They don't already as if what we're trying to do is get to the end goal yesterday. So in actuality, what's really happening there is that our goals are not realistic and we're chasing things that we think other people have because we think that that's what we're supposed to have. And the hardest part about all of this is that if you would stop and talk to that other person, that other person's chasing something else that they see someone else has and they think they're supposed to have. We're constantly chasing what we don't have and not understanding that what we do have is what we need to be working with. So come back to how am I fueling myself? We're chasing this idea that 
I should be able to eat whatever I feel like and yet still be healthy. We're chasing this idea that it doesn't matter where the calories come from as long as I work out enough to keep a balance. We're chasing this idea that every different type of macronutrient does the same thing in our body and so we don't need to pay attention to which macronutrients we're eating. And I'm really calling sugar a macronutrient under protest here, by the way, because I don't believe it's a macronutrient. I feel I, but that's a whole other story. We need to step back and be very honest with ourselves. First, all humans need to eat, absolutely. But second, the way that my body handles these foods is not going to be the same way that your body handles these foods exactly. But third, my body is going to react to sugar in a very specific way because sugar is an energy source that my body produces. So if I have too much of the energy source in my body, it becomes a dangerous situation for me because we can have five grams of carbs in our blood at any particular point in time safely. Above that is problematic. Too far below that is problematic. We're our body works really hard to keep it at five, which is why we can actually produce carbohydrates. If we have a dip, our body makes more because it needs to stay at five. If we go too high, our body pulls it out of the blood and puts it away as fat because it needs to stay at five. That's a piece of information that we really just need to accept and understand. And now how does that relate to me wanting to be like everybody else? Let's put this in perspective, whether you're male or female, if you would shadow Susie or Jeff, depending on your gender, and behave exactly like Susie or Jeff, do everything that Susie and Jeff do all day, it still doesn't mean that your body is going to react the same way to the foods that they're eating because if you have insulin resistance, your body is not going to react to the food the same way that Susie and Jeff's body reacts to the food if they do not have insulin resistance. When Susie or Jeff eat something that's high in carbohydrate, but their body does not have insulin resistance, the insulin response that their body has is not the same as the insulin response that your body has. And that matters. It matters so much more than we want to allow ourselves to see. And one of the major ways that it matters is that when someone with insulin resistance eats something high in carbohydrates and the amount of insulin that is released into the body is so much more than Susie or Jeff, their ability to store fat away is really, really high. Now, part of the reason for this is very simple. The person with insulin resistance, whose energy levels have been already pushed, right? The, the amount of energy that they're constantly trying to use has already been pushed to the max because they eat that much carbohydrate. When their body sees that sugar come in, storage is very high on its priority list because they don't have a lot of room to allow the sugar in their blood. Their blood is already struggling with the amount of sugar that's in their body that it's constantly trying to keep stable. Part of what we need to understand is that Susie and Jeff, because they are not having an insulin resistant situation, have less fat on their bodies. So the fat on our body also interacts with storage of fat, sending out signals that pushes storage. Our body understands that we've had too many carbohydrates because our body is the one that's actually, so your body's actually monitoring what you've been doing. When sugar comes in, your body is much faster at shuttling it away into storage because your body is aware of the metabolic situation that you're living. 
take this a step further. Even after you've lost the weight, doesn't mean that your insulin resistance is automatically solved. It will take some people months, some people years to get back to a state where their insulin resistance is no longer operating. We need to keep something in mind. Many doctors have spoken about the fact that by the time you are pre-diabetic, you've already lived years in an insulin resistant situation. It's just that the numbers are now saying pre-diabetic. And if we understand that part of the puzzle, then what we really kind of put in perspective here is every time I eat, if I'm overdoing my carbohydrates, in this moment, I'm adding to the possibility that I am becoming insulin resistant versus every time I eat, if I keep my carbohydrate intake low, I'm contributing to the situation where I'm metabolically healthy. This is a decision that we make with every meal. Now, again, this comes back to Violet. What does Violet want to do? Does Violet want to live her life like Violet and take care of Violet's health? Or is Violet going to live her life like Susie, who might not be so concerned about becoming insulin resistant because maybe she hasn't read upon it. Maybe she doesn't believe she can become insulin resistant. Maybe she just doesn't care. I don't know what her story is. But if Susie isn't concerned about it, but Violet is concerned about her future health, then it's important for Violet to do the things that's going to help her to be insulin sensitive. This is a basic function of our bodies. You know, I have had to accept the reality that even though none of my blood work showed insulin resistance yet, I was insulin resistant because I was 70 pounds overweight. You don't become 70 pounds overweight without having insulin resistance. The, the fact that I'm sitting here today not 70 pounds overweight doesn't mean that I don't still have insulin resistance. How do I know that? Because any time that I eat anything that pushes me over my carbohydrate level, so anything that pushes me past 20, I feel physiological repercussions, first of all, so I do have inflammation, I do have, I have reactions, and my weight gain can be swift. I can put on 5-10 pounds if I'm not paying attention. What does that tell me? And I'm not talking 5-10 pounds over two or three years. I've only been keto for almost two years now, it's going to be two years in, in April. So the truth is, when I'm talking about putting on 5 or 10 pounds, we're talking that that happened. Well, it wasn't 10 pounds, but I did put on five pounds in the course of like a few weeks and then looked at the scale and was like, oh, wait, what happened? Because I had stopped tracking. The good news for me is I do make it a habit to step on the scale at least once a month just to see, just to double check myself. But had I not been doing that, I could have fast forwarded to a year from now and had regained 30, 40 pounds and not even realized it because when you look at yourself in the mirror, and you're gaining weight on a daily basis, you don't notice. Now there's multiple other reasons that Violet has taken the decision to pay more attention to herself than the other people. I've lived with knee issues from in my 20, like around 22. That means that that inflammation that was causing my knee issue had been there since in my early 20s. I was unaware, but what does it tell me now? I started to show signs of what I thought was arthritis two years, a year and a half ago right? My hip was killing me. My fingers were sore. I wake up and I was all stiff. My neck problem had started in my 30s. My back problem had started in my 30s. Again, I attributed this to my, to my, sorry, not my hip, but my, to my knee issues. I actually did, I, I haven't even talked about this yet, but I, I, now I look back and I had a problem with my big toe that I attributed to rollerblading. Again, I always linked it to some kind of sport, not recognizing that maybe 
well, not even maybe, now I know it was um, an inflammation problem. What's the point of me telling you all of this? If I was more focused on being like everybody else, so in eating what everybody else was eating, I would have allowed myself to go on some kind of medication to solve my hip issue. And I would still be having all the physical repercussions of eating sugar. And I probably would have been on more medication by this point because even if that would have been helped by some kind of pain killer, it wouldn't have been solved. So the chance that it would have went from one hip to two hips, that my back issues would have gotten worse, that my elbow issues, I had, that's true, I did have elbow issues at the time. I had so many joint issues. In order to overcome these issues, I ate fewer carbs. And really, what did that do? That helped me to understand Violet can no longer eat like everybody else. And when I say everybody else, I mean Violet can't eat like the norm. And Violet doesn't want to. I would much rather eat a healthy, low-carb diet and continue forward in life healthy. I'm encouraging you all to stop and think about this idea that you're trying to chase being like everybody else. So that fear of missing out, you're putting that fear of missing out above being very honest and recognizing how your body feels when you eat a healthy, low carb lifestyle. Now, maybe partially you haven't tried yet. Maybe that you don't know how you're actually gonna feel because when you heard what you'd have to do, so what would I have to give up? You didn't even start. My question is, if you are not taking any kind of medication, if what you're trying to solve is the beginnings of joint issues, if what you're trying to solve is a weight issue, if what you're trying to solve hasn't led you down the path of taking medication yet, which was my story, what do you have to lose by trying a low-carb diet to see a ketogenic diet even was what I did? But low-carb, ketogenic, what do you have? to lose by trying to take your carbohydrates down and see how you feel. The majority of us teach our children not to lust after their friend's toys, not to lust after their friend's lifestyle. The majority of us teach our children, you need to appreciate what you have and work hard to have what you have, right? So what you can afford rather than trying to be what your friends are. But yet when it comes to us as adults, when it comes to our food, when it comes to you know, looking at what the Joneses are doing, thinking the grass is greener on the others, right? When it's, when it's us, why do we allow ourselves to lust after what other people have? Stop worrying about what Susie and Jeff are eating. It doesn't matter. Focus on what you're eating. Focus on making sure that you're eating foods that help your body to be healthy. Take your own advice, that same advice that you give to your kids about focusing on what you're able to accomplish, working hard, and achieving what you're able to accomplish, being proud of what you're able to take your same advice and apply it to your food, apply it to your health. Work hard to try to eat the foods that are gonna help you to be in a better health. Eat healthy, whole foods. You know, if you can afford grass-fed, go for it. If you can afford organic, go for it. But it doesn't need to be as long as they're healthy, whole foods. Stay away from process, stay away from extra sugars, keep your sugar content low, and then see how you feel. A true wellness warrior puts their health first, does the things that helps them to be physically healthy so that they can go out there and live their happy life, right? You want your life to feel amazing to you. So let's get out there and live a healthy, happy life, eat healthy food, and stop worrying about what Michelle, Jeff, Susie, Thomas, Kim, Frank are doing. Focus on what's gonna help you to be healthy in your lifestyle. I really hope you guys found this video helpful. If you did, consider subscribing. I make videos every week. For those of you who are new here, welcome. For my wellness warriors, I love to see you back. I wanna thank you for watching Mind Blowing Health and Wellness with Violet. 
I love making these videos for you guys, and I really can't wait to talk to you again next week.